0: listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast by Dr. T. Michael W. Halcom, Dr. Frederick J. Long, Dr. Mario Melendez, Dr. Jennifer Noonan, and J.M. Smith. Welcome and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Proof Text. I am Michael Halcom, and in this episode, we're thinking about the fallacy of the week. And as you know, if you've been watching, uh, I like to show social media posts that people have posted recently, or memes, or that sort of thing. So if you're new here, that's what's going on, Um, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at a post that I recently saw, and I'm just going to go through and offer some insight into that, try to pick up on maybe some fallacies and logical breakdowns. So what I'm going to show you here is kind of a little bit different than what I've been Doing lately because this is actually a direct quote from scripture, and that's really uh, all it is with a picture behind it. Now, if you're watching, what we see on the screen is two ladies facing one another, and each of them is holding what looks like maybe a bag of groceries, and perhaps one of the ladies is homeless. Um, It's not clear if she is or not, but the other lady is opening her bag of groceries to give the seemingly poor lady or homeless lady or whatever maybe some of her groceries. so that's that's the image. And then the text, uh, the Church of the Nazarene logo is overlaid on it, unfortunately. Um, and then we see Romans 1310 as the citation, and here's the translation it gives: "Love does no harm to a neighbor therefore, Love is the fulfillment of the law. All right, so this one is interesting because it's literally just a verse of Scripture. Now, the image is sending something. The Nazarene logo is sending something, um, you know, or conveying something. So what is this attempting to say? Well, if you, you take into account the image of maybe someone trying to help a poor person, you might think right away um, that the passage has to do with helping poor people. But in the context of Romans 13.10, that is actually not the context at all. So the image works toward skewing the interpretation in a certain direction and making us think that that verse is about helping poor people. Now, if this image wasn't here and we just saw the text on its own, the verse on its own, it could be taken to mean a bunch of different things. Um, and I, I've also seen recently where a very liberal person uh, posted something along these lines and um, it was used in the context of uh, homosexuality or LGBTQ issues. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore loves the fulfillment of the law. It's that whole love is love is love garbage and uh, attempting to promote that sort of eisegetical proof proof texting agenda, right? So what we have to do is actually go back and look at what does Romans 13.10 say in context, right? That's the most important thing. The other thing we have to do is define our terms. So this says, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So our our next thing is, how do we define love? Like, what is meant by love in this context? And also, this is very, very important, what does neighbor mean? Like, who is a neighbor? That might seem uh, simple or self-explanatory, but who is a neighbor or what constitutes a neighbor? Does that mean just like the person who lives next door? Is that what scripture is trying to convey? So let's go back and look at uh, Romans 13, 10, just briefly in context and see if we pick up anything different. Like, is it talking about homelessness, like helping homeless people? Is it talking about a love is love is love, like the LGBT thing, or what is going on? So uh here we go. I'm going to open stepbible.org as I often do. And I'm going to pull up Romans 13. And um it would help to know a little bit about the context of Romans. Uh and I'll I'll give just like a really brief summary. But Romans was written um after a time where the Roman government had essentially kicked all Jews out of the city of Rome, and uh, this included Jewish Christians. And so they were sort of evacuated for quite some time by the Roman government. That meant that the Gentile Christians who were there in the church or the house church with the Jewish Christians were left to run the church, left to take over. And this was kind of a unique situation. So they spend Uh, months and months, maybe a little over a year or so, running the church, maybe more than that. And then eventually, uh, Jews and Jewish Christians are welcomed back into the city of Rome. Now imagine that situation that these people have been holding down the fort and running things, and they're doing things a certain way while all the Jewish Christians are gone, or the Christian Jews, I should say, are gone. And now they come back and they want to take over again. Now there's going to be some tension. So this is sort of, one of the reasons, if not the main reason, that Paul is writing to help deal with some of this tension, and so there really is this issue of how do you love your neighbor amidst this tension, and so in that context, the neighbor is actually your fellow christian, and so we'll just we'll just go there really quickly um how do we define neighbor in scripture and in my view, if we look back across the Old Testament and even the New Testament. Neighbor love isn't talking about the person on your block to your right or your left or across the street. That's not what neighbor love is in scripture. Neighbor love, first and foremost, predominantly, mainly, is loving those within the family of faith, those within the household of faith, fellow believers, right? So when we hear, oh, love your neighbor, love your neighbor, and we sort of chalk that up to loving everybody on your block, well, fine, love everybody on your block, but just know that's not what Scripture itself is referring to. It's referring to loving people within the family of God, in the kingdom of God, people within the faith, and putting them first, right? And so you have this whole issue of our Jews and Jewish Christians, Christian Jews have been kicked out, and this is largely what Romans 13 is still dealing with later in the letter. And Paul begins in verse 1, Romans 13, 1, Let everyone, um, Be subject to the governing authorities. So there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So he's going to keep going. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God or against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, this isn't, this isn't, um, (laughs) this is often used to do this sort of thing where Christians are told they have to obey the government and there's some truth in that but when a government is acting tyrannical it is actually the christian's job to remind them of who put them in that place and what their role was namely to look after god's people right and so that may require calling them to account and challenging them um so this is <laughs> what paul is saying here is look we just went through this big socio political turmoil where our fellow jews and christian jews got kicked out, and now they've come back, just fly under the radar. Don't draw attention to yourselves, right? And especially don't draw attention to yourselves by doing all this in-house bickering with your Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ. Keep a low profile. That's what he's saying here in Romans 13. In verse 3, he goes on, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Again, if you're making a scene, you're going to draw attention to yourself and you might pay for it, and everybody else might pay for it. He says, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Is the Roman government, right? Then do what's right, and you'll be commended. Don't draw attention to yourselves is what he's saying. He says, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Right, when they're doing God's work, it's for your good, but when they're not, obviously it's not. He says, but if you do wrong, then be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it's necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. Again, don't draw attention to yourself, to the church. Like, keep things cool, keep a low profile. This is also why you pay taxes, he says in verse 6. For the authorities are God's servants, to give their full time to governing. If you don't pay your taxes, you're going to draw attention to yourself and make everybody look bad. He says, give to everyone what you owe them, verse 7. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. And here he says in verse 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves one another has fulfilled the law. Of course, he's talking about the the Mosaic law here. And um, he'll say in verse 9, the commandments. He's going to actually cite some of them. You shall not commit adultery, you should not commit murder, you should not steal, you should not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so this is a problem where actually our modern chapter and verse numbers get into play, uh, like cause problems, because we can easily separate 1310 as the picture, or the meme did, and isolate it, and keep it by itself with no context of the preceding nine verses. So really, 13.10 is connected directly to 13.9 and all that comes before. You should not commit adultery, murder, you should not steal, covet, whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Right? So they go, they go together. And here's where we, we ask again, well, how do we define love? And how do we define neighbor, right? Well, if we define neighbor as predominantly those within the household of God, well, think about this. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. Love those within the household of God as you love yourself. Uh, love does no harm to a neighbor, right? Um, and so is, if, you, if you love uh, those within the household of God, you're not going to do any harm to them. Loving those in the household of God is the fulfillment of the law. So this brings us back to a question I've been dealing with in the podcast lately, how do we define love? It's a very simple definition, a very good Christian and scripture-based definition, love is wanting God's best for the other. So let's think about this when we read love your neighbor as yourself is saying want God's best for those in the household of God as you want for yourself. For love does no harm to a neighbor. Right? Want God's best for those in the household of faith. And that looks like doing no harm to them. Right? Not making a scene, not drawing attention to them, not bickering with them, not jockeying for position or power. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Therefore, wanting God's best for the other, that is fulfilling the law. Right? So there's all kinds of um, problems going on when we just, uh, the, commit this fallacy of ripping a verse out of context right reading in isolation this is also where we have some fallacious stuff that can come with some proof texting proof texting and uh, eisegesis by having the modern chapters and verse numbers as i said earlier we also can fall prey to the fallacy of using um modern definitions to define words like love and neighbor right um so this is where we're going to read our modern context and definitions and understanding back onto ancient texts and ancient culture, right? That's called anachronism. So it's the fallacy of anachronism. You don't read modern stuff back into ancient stuff. So just in sum, if we're looking at Romans thirteen ten again, in the context of what was going on in the church at Rome at the time, when it says love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law, what it's saying is if you're wanting God's best for your neighbor, that is people within the church, your fellow Christian Jew, your fellow Christian Gentile, that looks like doing no thing that will harm them, that will bring undue attention or unwarranted attention to them. Love, wanting God's best for them, when you do that, that is the fulfillment of God's law. All right, so uh, some really important passage, and I hope that makes a lot of sense to you. I hope that brings some clarity, and yeah, just in general, I hope that helps. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glow's House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.